Welcome to Infinite Fellowship Ministries where we train believers to know and to pursue God's perfect will so as to yield fruit for His kingdom. Here is a devotion by Deaconess Mary Kamau. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to church this morning. My name is Mary Kamau. Um, I have the privilege of serving as one of the members of the deaconry in this house, and it is my singular honor to worship you, to welcome you, sorry, into worship and service today. Um, and wow, what a beautiful moment we've had in the presence of the Lord. And my desire and my hope for us is that even as we go on to the other parts of this service, we would not leave that place. We would not leave that place. Let's not get caught up in the programs of the day. Let us go with the Lord and flow with him wherever he desires us to go. And so I want to share briefly um, a few meditations I've been having uh, for a while now. I think I'll, I'll pick as the Lord leads and see where we land. Um, and so we're in February. Happy New Month. It's a first Sunday of February. And traditionally, this is a month where um, it's thought of as a month of love, which, well, depending on which side of the divide you're in, that's either a good thing or a hard thing for you to think about. And I find that interesting because if you follow the conspiracy theorists, they'll tell you that um, the notion of February being a love month is a marketing scheme because we need to sell things. Uh, we need to sell those teddy bears and chocolates and all those niceties that are normally sold on that particular day of this month, which shall go unnamed for now. <laughs> and I mean, it, it really just depends on how you look, look at it. I, I, try, I tend to view it as a celebration of love, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you ask me, any day and every day should be a celebration of love. And so as we're going to this month, I'm going to be sharing a bit about love, um, but from a divine perspective. I'm going to be sharing a few thoughts and meditations I've been having with the Lord on this subject. And I hope that by the time we are done, um, we will not think of February or love the same way, that we will go into the rest of the year and even the coming years with a very unique perspective of not just what love is, but who love is, because the Bible tells us that God is indeed love. And when it comes to the subject of love, the first place that we have to start is self. And if you have been thinking about and really taking time to meditate on the things that have been shared on this altar since the year began, you know, we've been having the series by our bishop on divine wisdom and we have our deacon Sam who did a really great devotion across the month of January on keeping the main thing the main thing. You'll realize that a lot of the things that have been spoken about are all coming back to identity and self. It makes no sense to speak of divine wisdom if we don't know the self that is applying divine wisdom. It doesn't make sense to pick on keeping the main thing the main thing. How do you know the main thing for you as a person if you don't know who you are as a person? Because my main thing may not necessarily be your main thing. Yes, we can agree that the main thing is Christ. You know, we can agree that the main thing is God. But how that is expressed in your life and my life and in different seasons may vary. And so when it comes to keeping the main thing the main thing and 
applying divine wisdom in our lives because it's not just a series for us to take, you know, those uh, one-liners that you go and tweet or post and share somewhere, but it's actually meant to help us move to a new dimension. When you think about all these things, there's an understanding that we must have of who we are. And as I was thinking about identity, you know, one of the things that God was reminding me about is some thoughts that um, Papa shared, I think it was some time back, but he was talking about the reality of identity and how one of the main reasons we struggle in understanding who we are is because we look to ourselves to understand who we are. And that's how the world teaches us. He tells you, figure yourself out. You have everything it takes. You know who you're supposed to be. Figure it out. Go live your life. You know, um, Don't miss out on anything. Don't have FOMO. Go do it. Go do what yourself. In fact, they'll tell you if you're born a particular way, you know, go live your life however you want it because it's yourself to decide who you're supposed to be. But he raised a very interesting thing, and, and I want us to go back there. And he said, the only way for you to truly, and this is me paraphrasing, the only way for you to truly understand who you are is to first go back to Christ. Because it is in Christ that you find who you are. And I want to expand on that a bit today. And as I was meditating on this, I started to think about the realities that the Lord has shared in the scriptures through different people and even through Jesus himself. And one of the things that Jesus said very boldly and just unapologetically was that the only way to get to the Father is through him because he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. So you cannot get to the Father except through him. That's the first truth I want us to have in mind. The second truth I want us to have in mind is who the Father is. The Father is Abba. He is our source. Abba essentially means our source. And oftentimes when we talk about Abba, we are thinking about provision. We are thinking about material provision to be specific. So you're thinking, Abba, my source, I need rent. Abba, my source, I need fare. Abba, my source, I need a new job. Abba, my source, I need a date for this month because, Lord, you just know. <laughs> it's rough on these streets. You know, Abba, my source. But the first provision that we get from the Father is not so much things as it is nature. It's identity. And remember, the third truth is that we are made in the image and likeness of God. And so if you and I are made in the image and likeness of God, that it means that there is a dimension of God that each one of us is carrying. There is an imagio day that you are carrying, that I am carrying. There is a limitation we have, unfortunately, because of the fallen nature of man that causes us not to see the God in ourselves and the God in other people. But the fact that that limitation exists doesn't mean that it, the image of God and the likeness of God is not in every one of us. Now, you may have had very many definitions of self over the years. You may have had very many sources of definition of self. Perhaps it is your family that has defined you for better or worse. Perhaps it is your background or your culture, your tradition that has defined you for better or worse. It could be your schooling, your education, how far you've gone in the education system or not that has defined you. It could be the kind of grades you got at a particular stage in your life, a particular teacher or mentor who may have made a comment or two for better or for worse. 
It could be your job, your career right now. I remember during one of our Bible studies, we happened to be talking about how there are things that people say in the marketplace that can end up staying with you. Where if you're in business and perhaps a client makes a particular kind of not so great comment about your work, if you're not very careful, that can seep into your identity. And so you start defining yourself in the workplace based on what that person has said as opposed to what God says about you. And the same holds even for those of us who are in employment because the reality is even in employment, you're under someone. There's someone who's overseeing what you're doing. You're dealing with people every single day and people are not always easy to deal with. And so they may make a comment here or there and you take it to heart and it now starts to inform who you think of yourself as. There are others who are defined by their salary grade. You know, where because you earn a particular amount of money, um, however large or small that amount may be, that becomes your source of definition because it also now leads you to the kind of lifestyle you're able to afford, where you're able to live, what you're able to drive, if you're able to drive, what you're able to eat, you know, the kind of spaces and social circles you're able to find yourself in. And so, yes, there is a myriad of sources of definition. But the one source I want us to focus on today, the one source I want us to go back to today is a source that is the main source of our identity. And it really, in essence, should be the only source of our identity, and that is Abba, Father, our source. And so going back to the truths I started with, if Abba is indeed our source of identity, if he is the one who defines the image and likeness of him that we carry, because God is very vast. No singular human can carry the ent entirety of who God is. In fact, if you really think about the billions of people that have existed on the face of the earth, not just right now in this disp dispensation, since time began, and we have not exhausted the image and likeness of God, and we are not going to, however far out the end is. That's a lot. And so that means you're carrying a very small but very significant part of the image and likeness of God. And so remember what I said, if the only way to the Father is through Christ, then it means that we cannot reference self in trying to understand self. We have to go back to Christ, who leads us to the Father, who is the source of self. And so I want you to consider what definition you have allowed of self today. Because the thing about love, even loving yourself, is that you cannot really truly say that you love a thing that you do not know. You cannot say that you love a person that you do not know for that. It's infatuation. You, you're, in, you're in love with an idea. It's a concept. It's an imagination you have of who a person is. And this person includes yourself, by the way. I know we tend to think about it in terms of other people. But it starts with yourself. So there's an idea, there's a concept you have of self in your mind, of the good things and what you consider the bad things, of the strengths and the weaknesses, of what is working and what does not work. And it can be as superficial as you can think about it. You know, there are people who like different parts of themselves physically and there are people who don't. And it can be also intrinsic. It can be an ident a, a character thing, a personality thing. 
You know, where you either love the kind of personality you have or you don't. You feel that it's flawed. And so I want us to consider who has defined you? Who have you allowed to define you? Who have you allowed to define what is lovable and what is not about you and in you? Because you cannot say that you love yourself if you do not know yourself. Because what is it then that you love? What is it then that you love? Because if you don't know, then it's, a, it's like a mist in front of you that you're saying you love. But really, what, there's no tangibility there. There's nothing really there. And the closer you get, the more confused you become because what should be tangible is not. And so who have you allowed to define you? Who have you allowed to define love for you? Who have you defined, who have you allowed to define what loving yourself ought to look like? You know, we're in an age where people are going back to self-care and self-love. Not necessarily a bad thing. I think there's a lot of merit to it. But sometimes a lot, the, the lines can get very blurred when it comes to human wisdom and divine wisdom if you're not careful. And you can go back so much into self-care that it goes back to the place of self-reference that I was talking about. Where even in so far as self-care is concerned, who have you allowed to define what self-care looks like for you? you know, have you relied more on the worldly tools of self-care than you have relied on God, the source of your life? Where you're relying more on, and they're very good tools by the way, you know, where if it's taking yourself out, having a quiet night in, you know, doing that thing that you love to do, all of those things. Have you relied more on those things and not enough on the one who has given you life and who ought to give you perspective on all things? And could that be the reason why you feel that in as much as you're self-caring yourself, <laughs> it doesn't quite seem to be working the way it ought to? You know, there's something that people say, and it's, it's something in the lines of, if you go on a vacation and come back and you're as tired as you are when you left, or you're tired, like 24 hours later, you're back to square one, what you need is not a vacation, what you need is a change of life. Because the issue was never physical exhaustion to begin with. And sometimes we may find ourselves in spaces where we are trying all sorts of things to accept self and to love self and to believe in self and to do all manner of things concerning self. But the reason we are struggling or the reason that it is harder than it ought to be is because our frame of reference has been self. And the thing about self is that we are limited. And so the minute you become your own strength, you can only go as far as your own strength goes. So what happens the day when you don't have strength? What happens when your weaknesses come to the surface, as they often do? But if Abba is your source, the one who is limitless, the one who is above all else, the one who has no beginning and no end, the one who is full of refreshing, then that changes the perspective completely. And to give a practical example, one of the things that um, God has called me to is, is the creative arts. And for some time, I used to do a lot of that in my nine to five. And the thing about being creative on the job is that you don't have the luxury of these creative vibes. 
you know, I'll create when I feel inspired. You know, right now I'm not feeling the inspiration, so I'm not going to do anything. There's a lot of feel when it comes to the creative part. And the, if you are creative, the creative, the creativity you carry can end up being a significant part of your identity. And I've worked with creatives for many years. I am a creative. I minister to creatives. I minister with creatives. And one of the most common things I've come across is how often we rely on self, even for our creativity and for our inspiration. And so someone will wake up and be like, eh, I know I'm supposed to do this creative thing, but I don't feel like it. So, eh. Or um, there's this thing God has told me to do, but... I'm not feeling it, so what are we referencing, self? The feelings, the thoughts. Or, you know, one of the other things that I hear people talking a lot about is mental block, mind block, creative block. There are all sorts of names for it, but it's a block. <laughs> and it is not allowing you to do the thing that you are supposed to be doing. And so you will die on that hill of... I am stuck and I can't get past this block. But a very interesting thing that God did for me in my years in my nine to five is that he taught me how to stop referencing self in my creativity and start referencing Abba, the one who is endless. Because I started to ask myself, if my source is God and God has no limitation, why am I blocked? Where is this block coming from? Because as far as I know, God does not have blocks. <laughs> he doesn't wake up in the morning and he's like, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not sure what color the sky should be today. I don't know how the colors need to play. So, you know what, we'll just, we'll just have a whole 24 hours of nighttime because now I'm not sure what the day needs to look like. You know, he doesn't do that. We've not had us a cessation of human birth because God ran out of ideas on how people should look like. And so I was like, you know what? We need to stop children for a minute because I am blocked. I can't think of another face. There are, there are too many. Have you seen how many faces I've created so far? There are too many. I can't, I can't think of another one. But think about it. That's how we often look at our creativity. I've done so much work. I can't think of another thing. But if our reference is Abba, I started to ask myself, then am I truly relying on Abba for the things that I need? And by the way, when I talk about creativity, I'm not just talking exclusively for those of us who are called into the arts. Regardless of the field you're in, you need to provide solutions. And the same thing holds. There are days you wake up and you're like, I'm not, it's, it, this day feels like a Monday. You know, the proverbial Monday. Where I don't feel like doing X, Y, and Z. I don't feel like being productive. But who is our reference? And God said to show me that if I can learn to rely on him as Abba, as source, then my stream of creativity is endless. All I need to know is where to plug that cable in, so to speak. And I can tap into whichever realm of creativity I want to in a moment. Because the thing about being in a nine, my nine to five, at least for me, it taught me how to be disciplined in my creativity. Because a client is not paying you money to tell, so that you can tell them, I'm not feeling inspired. So you need to come up with something. And it needs to be a good something. At some level, you can't get away with just get coming up with anything. It needs to be good. 
Why am I going with all of this? You know, there are many things that God has spoken about us as individuals and as a community. And the thing I've come to find over the years is that one of the reasons why we struggle so much with accepting and embracing and walking into and in that which God has called each one of us is because there is a preceding definition of self that we are referencing to. And so when God speaks to you and says, I've called you to be a great businessman, your referencing, your first port of reference is how much money do I have in my account right now? Remember, we are, defined, we are defining based on salary, based on money. When he says, I've called you to be a minister of the gospel, your first reference is, uh, have you, my background does not agree with this statement. So you know what? Mm -mm. I've called you to go into the gate of government. <laughs> I'll be talking a lot more about that later this month. And so you look at the government, you look at all the craziness that happens in that space, and then you're like, nah. Mm -mm. When I ask us to go back to Abba as source, because then if Abba is source, how then is he defining us? He's defining us using his words concerning us. And you can start with the 66 books of the Bible. You know, because we are an apostolic and prophetic house, I've found that we need to be careful because depending on what time you enter this community, maybe you have received a prophetic word here or not. And sometimes people get hung up with the fact that they don't have either a prophetic word or as many prophetic words as other people. There are people here who have encyclopedias this high. <laughs> and they are growing by the day. And then there are people who just have maybe a word or two. But tell you what, in the grand scheme of things, both of those things are equal. They are equal. Why? Because Abba is the source. He's defining you based on himself. The source is, the word is to lead you to Abba. So it's not a hill for you to die on. Or my word was not as prophetic as this other person's word. Or that's the way it was delivered. Again, self. Self is a very interesting thing. You'll go down very many rabbit holes. Oh, this one, that service was not feeling as spiritual. You know, this word was just delivered, pah, and we moved on. You know, other people were falling and crying. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. I didn't fall when I received this word. So it can't have been, you know. But who is the source? Is it the falling down? No, it's Abba. And for the record, I've seen many people fall down and get back up and fall down again and get back up. And I look at their lives, as I've said here before, and I'm like, okay, so you fell down, you got back up. You fell down, you got back up. I'm not sure how much the falling down has helped you because I'm looking for the fruit of your encounter and I can't see it. Because it's not the falling down. The falling down is meaningless if you don't move on from that place with an encounter that has transformed you. And so who have you allowed to define you? What are you using as your frame of reference for what is good and what is not for your life? What is lovable and what is not? Because especially in a month such as this, where you are going to hear, and I'm, I'm sure you've already said hearing, very many things about love 
and how to find the one and how to be the one and how to do this and how to do that. How to even love self. Because now there is a whole other movement that has started for self. <laughs> where they're like, we will not be left <laughs> behind. Even us, we can love ourselves. There's nothing wrong. But the problem is, where is your frame of reference? Love yourself, yes, but love the right self. Not the one that is a figment of your imagination or a construct of your imagination, but the one that is truly existing in God. And so do you know Abba? Do you know your source? Have you abided in Christ as a way to the Father to help you be who you're supposed to be? And as I was meditating on all of these things, one of the places that the Lord took me is the fact that he's called us to reason with him. Come, let's reason together. It doesn't mean that you throw away all these other things that have impacted you or influenced you. They are there for a reason. You can't imagine them away. They are there, no doubt. And yes, they've had the impact they've had. But the Lord calls us to come and reason together. But as I was thinking about that, and one of the things that the Holy Spirit was highlighting for me is the fact that when we talk about reasoning with him, a lot of times we think about it like reasoning with another human being. And what I mean by that is, when you're reasoning with, something, with someone, if you want to have a conversation and reach an agreement with someone, you have to pick the same language. Can you imagine if I come and start talking to someone who is, let me see, if I start talking to someone who is Luo in Kikuyu, like we'll both be talking but no one will be understanding anything if we don't speak each other's language. It's not going to make sense. And I remember back in my um, university days, uh, I used to live off campus and the area was predominantly made up of the Kamba community. And I was went to the shops one day and I was, I was waiting for my turn. There was someone else being served. And so the shopkeeper and this person were having a conversation in Kamba. So I'm there trying to mind my business, but they're also talking a bit loudly. But then the strange thing I realized is that I was understanding every other word they were saying. And so at, at some point I was like, wait, what language are you guys talking? And only to realize both languages are actually very similar, Kikuyu and Kamba. There's some words, if you're really keen, you can actually understand the gist of what someone is saying. So there's some semblance of understanding, maybe not a full one, but you won't completely miss what someone is saying. And a lot of times we tend to think about reasoning with God that way, where I'm going to come to you and we're going to speak in English, or we're going to speak in tongues and give me interpretation, Lord, you know, and then we'll reach an agreement. One of the things God highlighted for me is that reasoning with God can only happen in the context of Christ. What do I mean by that? Remember what I mentioned earlier. Jesus is the way to the Father. He is a bridge. He is a gap. He's the one who leads us to the Father. And through Jesus, we have access to the Holy Spirit who among many other things, one of the functions that the Holy Spirit serves in our lives is to serve as a revelator of the heart and mind of God to us. 
He's the one who helps us understand what is it that God is saying when he says this. And why I say that is this. It's very easy to think you've understood what God has said. Very easy. It's also very easy to, to think you've understood what someone has said. But think back to the last time you may have had a conflict with someone, a communication conflict. And you realize what you thought you had and what they were saying were two very different things. Were you speaking the same language? Yes. But um, my background professionally is a field of communication. And one of the things that is said, how communication is defined, is that it is shared understanding, not shared information. I can share information with you, but if you don't understand what I have told you and what I meant by what I said, we have not communicated. And what happens a lot with us and God is that we are sharing information. We are not sharing understanding. So even when I'm talking about Abba being our source, in your mind you may be thinking, but I'm a Christian. I read the Bible. I'm here on Sunday. It's church. You know, God is defining me. But the question I have for you is, do you have shared information with God about who you are? Or do you have shared understanding? And that's why I brought in Christ. Because you can't have shared understanding with the Father outside of Christ. You can't have shared understanding with the Father outside of the Holy Spirit. I'll give you an example. One of the prophetic words we received in this house was... Um, one of quick millionaires. And I know there are people who've gone back and forth with that word, depending on where you are. Maybe you've really wrestled with it. You're like, I must, I insist, I have to become this thing. And then the other people were just like, eh, you see in the economy. Maybe my children, that one I'll take it for my children. And the interesting thing, I, I when God says study to show yourself approved, I took that seriously because that's another prophetic word we got. And so one of the things I've spent a lot of time doing is studying the area of wealth and resource, both from a divine perspective, but also from what the world is seeing and comparing the two and seeing where do the two meet and where do they differentiate from one another. And one of the interesting things I came to find is that when you talk about someone being a billionaire, or when the world talks about someone being a billionaire, what we think about, and if I tell you someone is a billionaire, there's a high likelihood what you will think is, this person has a billion shillings in their account. Right or wrong? That's what most of us think, yeah? Or even a million, let me even bring it down. A million. You, this person must have a million shillings in their account, or a million dollars even better. <laughs> you know? And so you'll be like, yeah. And so by virtue of that definition, how you will define yourself as a millionaire is, I need to have a million shillings in my account. And that is when I will become a quick millionaire. And so everything in you starts to be, how do I get a million shillings in my account? What deals can I do? This job, this job, this poor not paying me enough. I need to start looking for jobs. But now where am I going to find a job? And you go down that rabbit hole because of how you have defined yourself in the context of God's word. Remember what I said? Shared information does not equate to shared understanding. Because if you look... And you, I, I, go check later on 
how people are defined as millionaires and billionaires in the world is actually not just based on how much cash, liquidity they have. It also includes the assets they have. Assets, property, cars, land, businesses, name it. So if you have an asset worth a million shillings, you are essentially a millionaire. Your asset rich and cash poor, but for all intents and purposes, you are a millionaire. Same thing goes for the billionaires. Most billionaires, if you ask them for a billion, they can't give it to you immediately. They'd have to sell something off. And that's why you'll find if you're a student, and I challenge us to be students, if you go and check, you'll find, and perhaps one or two of us may have found this, whenever these guys want to do a big deal, you'll find them borrowing from a bank. And if you, if you th sit and think about it, you'll ask yourself, but I thought you're a billionaire. Why are you going to borrow money? Now, there's a whole field of uh, taxes and moving money around, and they, I won't go into that. These are, there are many reasons for that. But one of the reasons is they're asset rich, but most of them tend to be cash poor. So they have enough to sustain a particular lifestyle, but they don't necessarily have the billion that you're thinking about in your mind. And so you will rubbish a word or consider it inconsequential because of how you have defined self and where your source of definition is coming from. But if you think about it and the Lord said quick millionaires, there are many dimensions of that including why he would speak that word. But insofar as attaining that word, there are people who have attained that word. It just doesn't look like it. Why? Because you think they should be walking around <laughs> flashing millions and like lunch is on me today because I'm a millionaire. That's why it's important for us to have the right definition. Now take that and extrapolate it to every other prophetic word you've received and we have received as a community. And you will realize God could be right in front of you, speaking to you and speaking with you, trying to reason with you. And you have shared information, but you don't have shared understanding. And that is impacting who you are. The last dimension I want to bring up, insofar as understanding and reasoning with self is concerned, is the reality of longevity. About 12 years ago, um, yeah, it was around 12 years ago, I was reading through scripture, and in particular the first couple of books of scripture, and I started to notice a pattern where God would get into relationship with man, it would be good for a while, and then things would go south very quickly. <laughs> and then a new generation would come up, and we would rinse and repeat. And then another generation would come up, rinse and repeat. And so as I'm reading, through, I'm like, ah, what is going on? I'm, I'm already feeling tired, and I'm not the one who was living through all of these things. And I actually stopped and I asked God, God, don't you get tired? Like, this back and forth you keep having with us as human beings. I know you love us, but like, you don't get tired because me, I'm already feeling tired just thinking about it. And he gave me what I would call a very human answer. And he said, yes, I do. And that is why my desire, and, and so we got into a conversation about lineage and generations. 
For me, that conversation didn't start yesterday. When you hear some of the things that God is speaking about our family and our lineage, that's decades worth. For context. Um, and so we got into a conversation about generations and lineages, and God began to share his heart about how he desired to relate with humanity and how he desi his desire was never to start and stop with every generation. But there's always been his, it has always been his intent to have continuity. And that's why you will find that even when God is speaking, if you have shared understanding, not just shared information, you'll realize that a lot of what God is saying, whether at individual level or at corporate level, is for the generations to come. It's not just for you. But the problem is if you don't understand the scope of God speaking, you won't understand the process he's taking you through. Because you will think you're building for one person. Let me use this example. If you're building a house for one person and you're building one of these tech, tech cities, the kind of materials you need are vastly different. The quantities are different. What goes into it is completely different. The amount of money you need, the kind of people, professionals, the manpower, the equipment, it's all different. And so what tends to happen if your frame of reference of self is inaccurate or is self, is that you'll think about self because that's what self does. It thinks about self. And so let me use the same word, quick millionaires. When you hear about quick millionaires, you'll be thinking, yeah, I need to live a good life. You know, I need to testify of the goodness of God in the land of the living. I need money to do that. But you won't consider that that word is in the context of generations to come. And so when God takes you through a process where he's dealing with your heart, insofar as stewarding something for a generation is concerned, it's not going to make sense to you. Because the kind of process and the kind of person he is trying to help you become is not the version of self that you imagined when you had quick millionaires. Because quick millionaires, I don't want to struggle in this life, you know, so give me the money, I live a good life. But quick millionaires to deal with generations, you start to think, how am I going to multiply these millions to reach the next generation? And the one after that, and the one after that. And you start to realize, wait, these millions, he's a God who gives both seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So I can't just eat all of these millions. What happens? They'll, they'll, they'll be over after a while. In fact, very quickly, the way things are right now. You'd be surprised how quickly you can run through a million right now. Very quickly. And so you start to think, wait, so what kind of person do I need to be? What kind of knowledge, wisdom, understanding do I need to multiply a million? If I was given a million right now, what would I do with it? Do I go and run that thing I've been wanting to buy? And then I, you know, then I think about the rest. Do I pay tithe <laughs> and give my offering? You start to think, wait, why is God giving me these millions? What happens after that? Who am I supposed to be? What kind of person am I supposed to be to steward these millions? So your definition of self changes completely based on whether you have shared information or shared understanding with God. And so when God starts 
to take you to a direction. And allow me to even say this. You know, one of the things God was pointing me to is that many of us are not very far removed from people who are already millionaires. And millionaires, by the definition, have given us of assets, not just cash. If you look within your circles, you will find, to your surprise, including some of our bosses, I mean, if you think about the companies they own, yeah, some of our managers, yes, some of our family members are already there. And in the world we are in today of the internet, I agree with many people who have said no one has any excuse not to learn. There's literally no excuse for ignorance in this dispensation, none. You can type and look for anything online right now and it will be there on your gadget. Free in most cases. Are there paid versions? Yes. But if you really want to learn, you will find a free one. And the only thing it's going to cost you is your time. So many of us already have access. And if not to the people, to at the very least the asset. So in this case, the businesses we work in, the schools we are in, this is not a, for sure, this building did not cost two bob. The institution we're in right now is in the millions, and so far as assets are concerned. And so one of the things the Lord was telling me is that because of the definition we have given self and the lack of shared understanding, we've not realized that in many ways he has already brought us right to the door of the fulfillment of that word by putting you in a place or in a space that is already a tangible manifestation of what that looks like. And so when he puts you there, the reason he's doing it is one, to test your heart. Because if you will not steward another man's asset, why is he giving you your own? Why? If you will not steward that business, that job you have well, if you will not work at it as though you are working unto the Lord, then what will be different when you get your own? And why do you think people will work for your business the way you are not working <laughs> for another man's vision? It won't happen. The other thing he's put us, the other reason he's put us there is for us to study. See, how is this kind of asset, this level of asset managed? What are the laws? What are the finances? What are the cost implications? If you've ever thought about owning your house and actually own home and actually down, down the groundwork, one of the things you realize is being someone who's renting and being someone who owns a home are two very different things. When you're renting, you don't have to think about security guards and no landscaping and boreholes and manholes and I don't know what other things. If you live in a particular place, maybe you just pay a service charge or it's included in your rent and you forget about it, you move on. The only thing you're worrying about is your four walls in your house. But when you're a homeowner, there are even things like land rates, taxes. I don't, there's a whole list. To whom much is given, much is required. Much is required. And so when he positions you next to this person or next to this asset or even within it, in the case of a business or an institution, the expectation he has of us, the shared understanding there should be is, I'm putting you here to prepare you for what I already have for you, but I cannot release to you yet because you don't have the capacity to steward it. Why I'm saying all of this is because there are a good number of us who are in quite the space about different prophetic words we've received. 
because you think that God has either forgotten, ignored, it was wrong, you had the wrong thing, I didn't understand it. Probably the last one. You didn't understand it. You've had shared information with God, you've not had shared understanding. And that's where you missed one another. Because you think you've been reasoning with God, but you've been reasoning with your definition of God and your definition of self, both of which have no capacity to bring life to anything. But when you go back to Abba as source, as he is, and you ask him and trust him to introduce you to yourself in him, then there can be shared understanding. And from that shared understanding, there are things that can now begin to be made manifest in your life. So it's not that he's ignored the word. It's not that he forgot about it. It's not that the process, again, remember what I said. If you don't understand the scope, you won't understand the process of getting there. Because if you think you're just supposed to get to CBD, then you can either walk there, a few shillings should be enough to get you there. But if you need to get to Europe, the logistics of that are completely different. We are talking about visas, airfare, transits, connecting flights, passports, all manner of other things. And so today I want us to call, to call, I want to call us back to Abba, to the one who is our source. I want us to go back, even to the things God spoke, because there are many of us who dumped those words somewhere in the sea of forgetfulness. And tell you what, I actually understand. Because I know waiting can be hard and it can be painful at times, especially when you don't understand what God is doing. But I want to encourage us to be brave and actually go back to that word. Because if you believe any of the things we sang earlier this morning, if you truly believe that God is amazing, why would he give you a grand prophetic word and set you up for failure? Does that sound like God, really? No. And when he was speaking, it's not that he was not aware of what condition the economies of the world, including our own, would be. He was very aware, even more than you. He even knows where it will get to and how far it will go. But he spoke nonetheless. It's not that he did not know the mistakes and the failures and the weaknesses and the shortcomings you have. He did, but he spoke nonetheless. It's not that he didn't know the people who would fail you, the people who would quit on you, the people who would give up on you, the people who would misunderstand you. He did, but he still spoke. Because his frame of reference when he is speaking is himself. He's not consulting your circumstances and the people in your life, and I don't know who else. And that's to tell many of us, stop looking to other people to agree with what God has said about you. I had someone, some wonderful person on the internet said, it was not a conference call when God was speaking. So if they were not there, they don't know what God said. So they cannot relate with you based on what they don't know. And unfortunately, that includes our loved ones, our families and our friends. They love us, but if they have not gone through the Lord to understand who we are, they will not understand some of the things that you're doing and some of the processes you're going, some of the decisions you're making. And so if you keep going back there for, yes, agree with me, you know, see what... 
it won't happen. Because unless the Lord helps them to see you as he sees you, they are not able to. Not that they don't want to. Many of them do. They truly do love us. But they don't have capacity to do so. And so, I want us to go back to self. How you've defined self. And go back to God and ask the Lord to show you the places where de your definition of self is wrong. Where it has been in error. Where you have been relying on shared information and not actually had shared understanding with him. Where you have had and based your expectations on the shared information you have based on self. But in fact, your expectations needed to go back and they need to go back to the word of the Lord and to Abba as source. Yes, the circumstances are what they are. This country is where it is. But when it comes to scope, <clears throat> consider that God is building for the generations to come. And so even as you're going back to self, you will need to consider the other individuals that are meant to come out of you, both spiritually and biologically. Because one of the things the Lord told me in my conversation with don't you get tired with all this back and forth is he's a God of covenant. And that's when, why you see many of the, if you look at the people who went really far with God in the Bible, one of the common denominators in all of them is covenant. Many of the fathers of our Christian walk walked in covenant. And even to date, if you look at anyone who's gone very far, if you're a student, if you really dig deep, you realize that there's a level of success people attain to out of covenant. It's not just hard work. Why I say that is because with self comes selfishness. And if there's one thing that the Lord was really on my case about, is that we have to expand our definition of self beyond self. Because when God is looking at you, he's not just seeing you. He's seeing your children and your children's children and their children after them and the lineage that can come out of you. He's seeing your spiritual lineage the people that he has called you to raise, that he has called you to mentor, that he has called you to position for the things that you will not be able to do in your lifetime. And I have to say this because if you don't understand that bit, you will not be able to reason and agree with God. Because God's agenda right now is not individualistic. It is not, and it has never been. And unfortunately, we do have a dimension of Christianity that is coming up that is very self-oriented. It's unfortunate, but it is out there. And if you're not careful, you will fall into that space of thinking about God and Jesus and all things Christianity based on self. Based on how it benefits me. What does it do for me? I'm giving my tithe so that I can get this. I'm in the church today because I want a promotion, I want a job, I want this and that. Our definition of self has to go beyond self. 
Because otherwise, everything God is saying to you will not make sense. Because he is not looking at you as an individual. He's looking at everything and everyone that can come out of you. So I want us to rise to our feet. And I want us to take a few minutes in prayer. Worship team, you can come up. And I want you to ask the Lord with all sincerity. You know, you can lie to people. You can even try to lie to yourself, but it will only go so far. But you can't lie to God. And in truth, you can't really lie to yourself. And so this is between you and God. You know how you have defined yourself and your life. You know where you have gotten your definitions from. You know what has been working and what has not been working. You know where you have been dealing with a lot of shared information and the impact it's had on you. And I want us to ask the Lord for shared understanding. <clears throat> One of the spirits of God is actually the spirit of understanding. And for many years I didn't understand the magnitude of who the spirit of understanding is. Because a lot of times we'll talk about the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of this. Understanding seems to be right somewhere down there on the priority list. But in recent years, God has brought him right to the very top, this dimension of him. Because without understanding, you cannot give life to anything. It's understanding that allows you to know, have intimate awareness of God. So I want us to ask the Lord for shared understanding today. It's not something we will be able to do in entirety this morning, but we can start. And we can tap into the grace that is corporately here, to the presence, the manifest tangible presence of the Lord that is here. So that when we go, wherever we will go after this, he can continue that journey with us. And we can enter a realm of shared understanding where we truly do become who God has said we are, not who we think he said we are. So let's pray. Thank you for listening to this audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend.